Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You should give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is our state senate president. There's a special session being called on the week of November the 6th for uh, the legislature, state legislature. We'll find out about that. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And Jack Timon is an author a former president of Westinghouse International and former chief of staff for Kirk Clausen when he served as our congressman. He gave his thoughts on what's happening on Capitol Hill. It is October the 24th, and on this day in 1648, the Treaty of Westphalia was signed, ending the Thirty Years' War and radically shifting the balance of power in Europe. The Thirty Years' War was a series of wars fought by European nations for various reasons, igniting in 1618 over the attempt by the king of Bohemia, the future Holy Roman Emperor Ferdinand II, to impose Catholicism throughout his domain. Uh, Protestant nobles rebelled, and by 1630s, most of the continent of Europe was at war. As a result of the Treaty of Westphalia, the Netherlands gained independence from Spain, Sweden gained control of the Baltic, and France was acknowledged as the preeminent Western power, the power of the Holy Roman Emperor was broken, and the German states were again able to determine the religion of their lands. The principal state of state uh, sovereignty, I should re-say that, the principle of state sovereignty emerged as the result of the Treaty of Westphalia and serves as a basis for the modern system of nation-states. So interesting. Everybody wants to, a lot of virtue signaling going on even back in the day. Yeah. Now, the House uh, Republican Conference last night heard pitches from nine members vying for to, be, to become the next Speaker of the House. Conference members will likely try to agree on a nominee, considering the vote among House members is set for Tuesday morning. That's this morning. By Monday afternoon, most of the candidates have already put out statements complete with policy positions on why they should be the nominee. There's nine of them. One of them, of course, is Byron Donald's. Byron, I think, is a preeminent candidate and will likely emerge, I think, as the Speaker of the House. We'll see how this turns out. It's kind of a messy process, but irrespective, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, great to see Byron in the limelight. He will do a terrific job if he's uh, elected as Speaker of the House. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Florida is the most entrepreneurial state in the nation, according to a recent study published by researchers at the Digital Project Manager. Florida has the highest percentage of the population that has started a business with 13,238 small businesses per 100,000 residents. That's a lot. It's 3,000 more small businesses per 100,000 residents than the second-place state of Georgia. Florida's pro-business, freedom-first policies make Florida the best state in the nation to do business, said Ron DeSantis, our governor. I appreciate those Floridians who have taken a risk and start their own ventures. Florida's unemployment rate has remained below the national average for three years, and more than one million Floridians have joined the workforce. Florida has outpaced the national rate for labor force growth and uh, private sector growth, job growth for over two years. 
good news about the state of Florida. Entrepreneurs here in Florida. Israeli forces carried out airstrikes against multiple targets in Gaza, two airports in Syria, and a mosque allegedly used by militants in the West Bank over the weekend, stoking fears the two-week-old war with Hamas may spiral into a broader regional conflict. The strikes come as Israeli forces trade fire with Hezbollah militants along the Lebanese border and say arms are being delivered to the group via Syria. In related news, reports suggest Israeli officials found instructions for making cyanide-based chemical weapons on a Hamas fighter killed in the group's October the 7th attack on villages in southern Israel. The document was traced to a 2003 Al-Qaeda manual. It's unclear whether Hamas had the capability to carry it out or imminently was planning on it. Uh, separately, Israel officials raised the number of confirmed hostages taken by Hamas to 212. Well, the United States has reportedly called on Israel to postpone its potential ground invasion of Gaza with the aim of facilitating hostage negotiations. According to the U.S. and Israeli officials, Hamas may be open to releasing numerous dual citizenship hostages. A U.S. official who is uh, knowledgeable about the Biden administration's stance stated to the Associated Press that it remains uncertain how convincing the U.S. arguments for this delay will uh, be to the Israeli soldiers and leaders. However, a senior Israeli military official in talks involved with the U.S. and Qatar uh, suggests that the uh, terrorists, who soon uh, may release approximately 50 dual nationals, as reported by the New York Times, it's an update, it's an update in the families of uh, Nurit Cooper, age 79, and Lishitz, uh, age 85, have received notification of their release from captivity. It's good news. These two women were abducted from their homes in a kibbutz near Oz, and it was uh, important to note that the husbands are still in Gaza. Additionally, New York Times and CNN cited uh, undisclosed Biden administration sources have noted that a delay in ground invasion could also serve to enhance the distribution of humanitarian aid to Palestinians in Gaza and allow the U.S. to prepare for potential attacks on its personnel and interests in the region. Well, in a startling revelation, an official document recently published by the supposed moderate Palestinian Authority is shown to outline explicit calls for murder of Jewish individuals as it calls on imams to uh, incite violence against Jews in Friday sermons, citing a religious text for, for Muslims to fight the Jews and kill them all. The document published Friday by the Palestinian Authority's Ministry of Endowments and Religious Affairs provides comprehensive instructions for imams to incite violence in their weekly religious sermons, including inflammatory rhetoric and a message to kill the Jews. The disturbing development indicates that the supposed moderate Palestinian authority appears to endorse a perspective paralleling that of uh, Hamas, with both groups unified in their animosity towards Jewish communities, thus dispelling any illusions of a fundamental distinction between the two. Kind of raises the question about why we're sending money to the Palestinians, doesn't it? It also has ignited concerns over potential escalations in violence against Jews, especially given the dangerous implications of the granting control over territories like Gaza to such entreaties. 
The explicit calls for violence found in the documents have yet to receive a response from the global community, though Joe Biden recently declared a $100 million humanitarian aid package for the Palestinians uh, currently under the authority of the uh, Palestinian Authority and Hamas, despite having snubbed by Palestinian Authority President Mohammed uh, Mahmoud uh, Abbas uh, last week. Abbas uh, decided not to meet with the president. So interesting. So, uh, pretty good evidence here that the Palestinians, well, they hate the Jews too, and uh, <clears throat> we're are concerned about them wearing white hats, I think, is ill-founded. The Associated Press is instructing reporters and organizations using its style guide to avoid referring to Hamas as a terrorist organization. Can you believe that after the atrocities that occurred two weeks ago? The news outlet states that it's Israel-Hamas topical guide that because terrorism and terrorists have become politicized and often are applied inconsistently, the Associated Press is not using these terms for specific actions or groups other than indirect quotations. Hmm. Unbelievable. That's going to have a big impact on uh, the news that we read. The guides will affect how dozens of regional newspapers and uh, national outlets frame the current war in Israel with Hamas. This is an infuriating story from the open, uh, thebooks.com. President Trump froze U.S. uh, aid to Gaza in 2018, noting that the U.S. had given hundreds of millions of dollars to Palestinian entities over the years, even though the Palestinian Authority had a policy of paying pensions to families of dead terrorists, paid to slaves, so to speak. In uh, 2021, President Biden restarted U.S. aid again over two months after he uh, took office, even though Secretary of State Anthony Blinken admitted there was no guarantee that the money would stay out of the hands of Hamas. OpenTheBooks.com has found that over $1 billion dollars has been sent by Biden to the Palestinians. $1 billion. This doesn't even include the $6 billion in Iranian funds that Biden wanted to unfreeze. Then add that to a $3.5 billion fund uh, Biden set up for the benefit of the Afghan people in the wake of the botched U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. How much of this will benefit the Taliban regime campaign of terror? A lot, I would say. There's more. Open the Books has now also identified more than $1.3 billion sent to federal, by federal agencies to Russian and Chinese entities in the last five years, including $2 million to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So here's the solution I think we should consider. Let's stop all foreign aid programs. They don't seem to be aiding the United States, and it costs a lot of money. Well, U.S. Uh, Customs and Border Patrol... Officials announced that uh, the Border Patrol agents apprehended more than 2 million migrants from the second consecutive year. The report snuck out on Saturday afternoon in a media dump, confirms that October 1st article that revealed that the apprehension of more than 218,000 migrants just in September alone. Since President Joe Biden took office in January of 2021, Border Patrol agent apprehended more than 5.7 million migrants who illegally crossed the uh, southwest border between ports of entry. Uh, The 2 million migrant apprehensions do not include migrants who entered the country through this Customs Border Patrol One App and other immigration blanket parole programs not authorized by Congress. Official U.S. Customs and Border Protection reports that this includes the numbers that are not expected to be released until the end of October. 
So 5.7 million uh, through the just crossing the border, and of course we're providing a welcome wagon treatment to the uh, migrants who are coming across the border, plus some others that went through the uh, blank, blanket parole programs provided by not provided by Congress, provided by the ban, uh, Biden administration. And then Biden paid $2.75 million, $2.75 million for a beach mansion uh, after his son Hunter demanded $10 million from China. Hunter sent Chinese threatening text. It's Joe Biden's favorite place, his summer home in Delaware, where he's decamped dozens of times during his thousand days as commander chief. He spent at least 300 of those days either in the country's second smallest state or on vacation. He bought the home at a time that appeared to his political career was over. Five months after his vice presidency had ended, he was well into his 70s and after all that decided to forego the 2016 run for the top job. President Joe Biden plans to escape Washington for the weekend and head to Rehoboth Beach uh, at his home there uh, in a crisis, as the crisis continues in the Middle East and over the House speakership. So Biden, again, uh, he's taking it cool and easy, taking walks on the beach while the world burns. <clears throat> this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senate president. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just read uh, Little Bee's uh, commercial. Louis Diner is serving now dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu is just terrific. You should try the grouper. It's really outstanding. 23 bucks. Great deal. Serving great uh, great value. Again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Sh- uh, Shopping Center, Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So a special session has been called on November the 6th for the state legislature to come together. I was wondering if you could give us a little background and uh, uh, understanding about what's going on. Sure. Um, The governor reached out to me and the speaker uh, several weeks ago uh, when the um, Hamas attack occurred, uh, indicating that he wanted to do something about states of terrorism. Uh, particularly Iran, because, uh, as everyone knows, Iran uh, participated uh, financially and, and, and maybe even technically in the attack. Mm. Um, and rather than wait for session, we decided to, to go ahead and do it. We're going to be in Tallahassee for committees uh, the week, that week, so we decided to hold the special. And um, we're going to really look at three or actually four different areas so far. There may be some other things that come in, but I doubt it. Number one, uh, we're, we are going to confirm the proclamation that the Speaker and I did in support of Israel, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, basically asking Congress to continue its support of, of, of that country. Uh, we are, and the legislation hasn't been drafted yet, we're working on it. We are, are going to basically include Iran in the list of uh, countries that the state will not do business with, Hmm. and uh, that's very important. And uh, then we're also going to fund some programs to do hardening, safety hardening of Jewish schools, synagogues, and other places that uh, could be the target of attacks in our state. So uh, those are the three main um, components of of bills that will be related to the horrible uh, events that occurred in Israel. Uh, which also um, creates the urgency of this entire thing, too. Exactly. For... It, it is urgent. I mean, you don't do special sessions just willy-nilly. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, we had been discussing a response to the Adalia hurricane. As you know, uh, after Ian, we held um, two special sessions as soon as we possibly could to help jumpstart the communities recovering from Ian. We are going to do the same thing for the communities impacted by Adalia. It's a whole different uh, type of impact. Uh, Southwest Florida, uh, you know, was homes, businesses, um, uh, and, you know, mostly water damage. 
in Adalia, there's a lot of wind damage. We, timber, uh, timber crops were destroyed. Uh, chicken farms were destroyed. Um, aquaculture, agriculture, a lot of, a lot of uh, agricultural crops were destroyed. So the same kind, of, we're looking at the same kind of a loan prog- program we gave for um, the uh, communities that were impacted by Ian to yeah. the communities that were impacted by Idalia. And, and the good thing about that is the loan program is, is something, it's a long-term thing where when they repay, it'll stay in, in a revolving you know, loan program so that in the future, if we do have an econo- economic downturn, at least we'll have money seeded in, a, in this type of program. Because we know we're going to have more natural disasters. Absolutely. So, Kathleen, again, just uh, congratulate you and the, and the governor and the legislature for uh, responding quickly to this. I understand the uh, the governor has uh, actually provided travel for Floridians to come back from Israel or come back from Gaza and yeah. uh, at no cost, whereas the president of the United States is charging people to do so. Is that correct? I don't know about what the the president's doing, but the governor um, is is uh, flying these planes back at at no cost to the the people who are on them. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, we want to get our Floridians home safely, sure. and um, we appropriated an emergency fund to the governor to use in emergency situations, and, and we believe this is an emergency. Yeah. So, uh, and also, Kathleen, did I read that the special session may include uh, some tax cuts considerations? That would, uh, with regard to Idalia, I, we, uh, you know, we, we have the regular session starting in January. So unless, it, my opinion, unless it's an emergency, uh-huh. I don't think we should be addressing um, anything that's a long-term prog- process. You know, we're going to, it's going to be quick. Most everybody that I've talked to, in the, in the process is supportive of the initiatives. I mean, they haven't seen the bills yet because we're, we're not quite finished drafting them, but it'll be quick. We're going to gavel in Monday morning. Then we're going to go to committee in Monday afternoon and go to the floor Wednesday. So if it's something that needs real vetting through three or four committees, that's not going to occur in this special. And I would, I would not be uh, comfortable doing something that's that significant. That's not an emergency in a special. Okay, so this is a committee week. How long do you think it's going to take to have this special session? And uh, will it uh, impede at all on uh, the work that needs the to get committees. done? No, not at all. We usually, uh, in in the Senate, and I, I don't know what the House schedule is, we don't do committees usually on Monday morning. Mm. They're usually Monday afternoons. And those are our joint uh, committees that we're not planning on meeting on that Monday. So we'll get all our work done that whole day Monday. And then on uh, Wednesday, um, go to the floor. Um, and Wednesdays when we would have had uh, some of the big committees, I think, fiscal policy and approves. But they don't meet this early in committee process because the bills haven't gotten there yet. You know? gotcha. and so we're 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 good. It's not going to. That's why that week is perfect. Perfect. Kathleen Pasademo, our state Senate president. Always great to get your commentary here on the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jack Time and former chief of staff of uh, Kurt Clausen when he was in Congress. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. It's my pleasure. And um, I drive through the Everglades all the time because my son and his family live over in Fort Lauderdale. And I thought, you know, we essentially are living in the Everglades. We've reclaimed the land back. And I thought I would see what kind of statistics or interesting information I could find about the Everglades. And I came up with some interesting things. Great. The first one was the Calusa Native Americans. They survived and arrived around 1000 BC. Yeah. They developed a powerful society and controlled much of South Florida. Didn't know that. Well, actually, the, the uh, Marco Island Museum, I believe it is, has artifacts uh, from the Calusa tribe going back about that long. I mean, it's just incredible uh, how how uh, the impact that they had on on our society and what's happened. Well, and then later in the early 20th century, there was a group of gladesmen that were husbands and sons of some of the area's first Anglo-American settlers 
And they navigated the waterways and lived there for years as well. They were really isolated and survived by hunting and fishing. Hmm. The next thing I didn't know was the Everglades. I thought it was a wetland. Uh-huh. I did not know it's a river. No, I neither did I. I thought it was a swamp. Yeah. It flows from Lake Okeechobee to the um, Gulf of Mexico, and it moves 100 feet per day. So it's slow moving. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now I thought it the, is a river. <coughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I thought the Everglades was, and I've forgotten the word now. That uh, when it's uh, uh, part salty water and part clear water, and what is the word that uh, it just escapes me right now? But in, in other words, it's a special place that, that breeds uh, and and supports special life that can't be supported other places. Well, it that I don't know about the the difference <laughs> in the waters, but it also is. Not only is it a river, it is one of the world's largest wetlands. Mm. And it covers now about 1.5 million acres, which makes it one of the largest and most complex wetlands on the planet. But it used to cover over 3 million acres. And, of course, they lost the land over time to, you know, reclaiming the land for agriculture and urban development. And now it's it's... Since 1947, it is protected as the Everglades National Park. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, state legislature, my opinion, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Uh, the state legislature, the governor, for the last uh, several, I would say for the last 15, 20 years, have done a nice job of keeping, uh, trying to preserve the Everglades and make sure that it's pristine and uh, uh, well taken care of. Oh, I agree. You know, keep up the good work. Yeah. Uh, you see enough. Uh, building going on around here. All you have to do is drive to the airport to the east, and holy cow, the development that's going on is never-ending. It's true. Well, you know, of course, we have Alligator Alley running right through the Everglades there, so some of that uh, was taken up Everglades uh, land. But uh, it's, you know, now we have a species of, you know, the pythons that are... (laughs) in the Everglades, uh, the competition in order to get rid of the pythons is pretty amazing, too. So, It is, but they have, there are, there's extraordinary wildlife in the Everglades. There are 360 bird species, Wow. 300 fish species, 40 mammals, mm-hmm. uh, including the panther and the manatee. But I don't think the panther and the manatee are too, doing very well. They say that right now there are less than a hundred panthers <laughs> living in the wild. Wow, we've all but decimated them. So the what the word I'm looking for is aqua something or other, and uh, again it's the, aquifer. Well, no, that is the, uh, the water supply in the aquifers. I'm referring to the uh, the brackish water that uh, is both. It's fed by the uh, clear water, probably coming from Lake Okeechobee and uh, and also the uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So it's brackish, it's a, a salty, but also clear too. It's a combination, and it makes for a special habitat for uh, for nature. I'll be darned! I didn't know that. The last thing I wonder if you knew about <clears throat> that in the Everglades. I'm not exactly sure where. There is a missile, uh, a Nike missile defense base. 
defensive base that was constructed during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, and it remained in use to 1979. Uh-uh. And you can go through the barracks, the missile barns, and other areas. You can go through it. Wow. I had no idea. So have you ever it's taken... near the uh, city of Homestead. So I'd be curious about your trip through the Everglades. Uh, usually, if you're going to go over to Fort Lauderdale, you just jump on uh, I-75 and jump on Alligator mm-hmm. Alley. Uh, do you take a different route? No, I do not go through the old 41. It's It's... You know, it's not dual-lane highway, it's yeah. single-lane, and I I don't like that. Right. You know, I'd rather dry, have the convenience of, of the interstate. Uh, there's always a lot of traffic on it, uh, sometimes more than others. Yeah. About uh, an hour or so into it, you can get off at Snake Road, which I think is appropriate, and there is a wonderful rest stop, filling station, restaurant there. And uh, and there are different rest stops along the way. You know, I'm pretty used to it. I know all the markers and, you know, how far I have to go before the next rest stop. The only thing I won't do is I won't drive Alligator Alley at night. It's yeah. just too spooky. I mean, there are a lot of weird critters out there. There are indeed. So have you ever taken the trip on 41 over to the East Coast? Yes, years ago. Years uh-huh. ago? I've never done it. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just think it would be uh, kind of interesting. One of the things is there's a state prison now. It's been abandoned. It's been not being used anymore. But uh, on uh, in the Everglades, and apparently a couple of guys tried to escape out of the state prison, and they were eaten up by mosquitoes, and they were fighting to get back into pr- <laughs> into the prison. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Anyhow, human behavior being so funny as it is. Well, I'll tell you a neat thing to do is to go, you know, drive on Alligator Alley, get off of the exit that takes you to Everglades City, uh-huh. and go to Clyde Bucker, Buchner, however you pronounce him, that really famous uh, swamp photographer. Is it Clyde Butcher? Photographer. Butcher, that's it, yes. Yeah. And it's just fabulous, and it's a, a neat drive, and it's, you know, a lot on Old 41. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the way Florida used to be. Yeah. The trip down to Everglades City, we've taken that a few times. It's been years now since we've done it, but it uh, it's, uh, really does kind of strike you of uh, being in a time capsule going back 100 years. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, what a great resource. You know, several years ago, I took a swamp walk where you spend about three hours walking through the swamp. Uh-huh. I can't tell you how fabulous it is. Wow. Now, you're, in other words, kind of knee-deep in the swamp, and it, I would be concerned about snakes. Oh, yeah, I don't like snakes. I mean, God, who likes snakes, especially something like a python? Yeah. But, you know, you're splashing around, you're talking, you're loud. Uh, they probably feel the vibration, and, and my hope is they slither away that you don't end up between an alligator, a mom alligator, and her babies, you know, that yeah. you're... You don't accidentally get into trouble, but it's just such a fascinating walk. You know, you're part of the food chain. Once you start walking in, you're <laughs> yeah. you're not on a pier looking down. You are in it, but it's so fascinating. It's such a complex ecosystem, and we should all learn more about it. So we're living in it. Well, we just really appreciate your sharing these thoughts and uh, observations about what's happening in the Everglades. It's such an important part of uh, our existence here in Florida. Thank you so much for joining us, Boo. 
My pleasure. <coughs> Excuse me, please. All right, coming up, going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get some tickets to some outstanding performances coming up. You can visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. <clears throat> yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's growing. Well, certainly uh, far too fast, but we appreciate your efforts in trying to slow the process down. So you wrote a column, really interesting, Bad Hollywood, Worse Washington, Too Many Remakes and Sequels. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> the movie situation for years has just gotten worse and worse and worse, and my one of my reasons for thinking so is they don't really write movies anymore. There's they're remaking movies and they're doing lots and lots of sequels. I mean, how many freaking Star Wars? Remember what a big deal the first three Star Wars were. Now you don't even know what the heck's going on. Right. Um, you know the Marvel movies. I mean, give me a break. I, have there been fifty 
seven of them. I don't even know. Um, it's just it's absurd. It's, it's it's completely uncreative. And as someone who considers myself to be a creative person, I just find it to be very unpleasant. Well, as the old saying goes, uh, D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> and they're, they're engaged in too much of the sequel and uh, remake mindset themselves. I mean, I remember when, when, we, when conservatives like myself were questioning whether or not Trump, you know, when he won, okay, he won, is he actually going to be conservative? My thought was, here's a guy who wants to make history. He views himself as a historical figure. What can he do in D.C. that that will make him different from everybody before him in D.C.? He can actually be conservative. He can actually try to reduce government. That would make him stand out from everybody, because everybody in D.C. does nothing but grow government. Uh, Reagan did it, um, and don't get me wrong, Trump did it too, but like Reagan didn't even pay, Trump reduced regulations, Reagan paid no attention to regulations. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it just, everybody on both sides of the aisle just lets it grow, it's like a, it's like a, you walk into a hive mindset when you walk into D.C. So, you've got these things, and, and like you said, we're, we're fighting to get less government anywhere we can. And we occasionally win some. For example, Trump rolled back net neutrality and, you know, net neutrality regulations in Title II. Title II reclassification, what they're doing in in the FCC, they just voted. They just again voted to go through the process of reimposing Title II Internet reclassification and net neutrality. Net neutrality is dominant of itself. Title II is moving the Internet from where it is regulated now, which is very likely regulated, to 1934 telecommunications law, yeah. which means like radio. <clears throat> and then it, that even is even predated by 1887 railroad law. I mean, that's how far back we're going. And it, of course, makes no sense. You know, a, a train track is two directions, right? You can go one way on the track or another. Right. Telephone lines, two directions. You go one way or the other. The web is called the web for a reason. It goes 58 directions simultaneously to try to regulate it like a phone or a railroad is stupid. Now, this will be, depending upon how you count, D.C.'s fourth or fifth attempt to do this, to impose neutrality. You know, they, they did it in 2010, and it was overturned by the courts. So they did it again in 2015. And then, well, no, they did something else before 2010, but it was kind of small. Then they did it in 2010, got dumped by the courts. 2015, Obama did it again, and Trump re- re- reversed it in 2017. So now we're looking at at least the fourth time that they tried to do this. And again, from the, you know, from the very basics of, of U.S. constitutional government, Congress has to pass a law telling the FCC to do this. It never has. Yeah. So it's all illegal. They can't do it. It's been said by the courts multiple times that they can't do it. Um, and yet we're making the, we're doing this we're doing the remake again. We're doing the sequel again. Uh, like, like Groundhog never, Day. Yeah, DC. In fact, I wrote a piece in 2014. It's Groundhog Day again. Yeah. Here's the third attempt by the FCC to. Um, yeah, and and again, it's nobody wants it. Congress, you know, has never passed it. Congress. 
the last time anybody in Congress ran on it was way back in 2010. 95 people signed a pro-net neutrality petition, and all 95 lost. Um, so it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. And, of course, now versus 2010, the Internet is orders of magnitude larger and faster, and is even, so, the, so the policy is even less justified. One, because it doesn't apply to the newer, bigger, faster Internet. Two, because we've proven with the intervening 13 years that what you're worried about happening doesn't happen. The ISPs yeah. don't block anybody. Yeah. Now, if you want to worry about people blocking people on the Internet, check with big tech. Right. Right? Absolutely. Social media blocks people all the time. <laughs> does net neutrality apply to big tech? Of course it doesn't. Yeah. In fact, it, in fact it, it's a huge gift to big tech because net neutrality outlaws them being charged for the bandwidth they use. And obviously they use a great deal. Uh, Netflix and... Um, and uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google, combined represent half of all the global traffic. Wow! And they don't, and and then we'll be we'll, we'll be paying more to subsidize their profit. Um, so it's just it's a very dumb policy. They keep coming back to it because again, we had a we had a, we had a victory. We got you know we, we we beat it. We beat it in court. We beat it with a with a Donald Trump rescission of the policy. And here we come again, because they won't accept the defeat. Uh, my, my favorite comedian is an Australian who lives in Britain named Steve Hughes. And way back in, like, 2009, he, he did a little bit on the Lisbon Treaty. Ireland voted no on expanding the EU. Yeah. It was called the Lisbon Treaty. And, and he did this bit like, you voted no, huh? Say what, we'll, we'll give you a few months to think about it. You, you, you vote again. He goes, no, we don't need to vote again. We vote no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you think about it, and uh, and they made them have another vote. Yeah, you know, and the, the beatings will continue until until voting improves. Wow. And at least the Irish got to vote. Yeah. We don't get to vote on this stupid policy. They keep jamming it through with unelected bureaucrats. Well, if if By the my Reigns, definition is authoritarianism. Yeah, if, if the Reigns Act pa passes, perhaps we'll have some say in it because that's going to force Congress. To I want to combine the Reigns Act with what's the name? There's a there's a bill that says um, you have to go to con. It, it, the, I, I, my my friend Phil Kirpin, I think, helped write the Reigns Act, and I I had an article ten years ago, twelve years ago. You combine it with an existing law, and it becomes much more powerful because it, it's like a whipsaw action. Yeah. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the regulatory dollar amount threshold combined with something in Congress. I have to go look up my article now because I wrote it so long ago. But, yeah, but the, the, pro the only problem with the Reigns Act is it's sort of a self-policing mechanism because the agency gets to determine how, how, how much money their regulation costs. Huh. <laughs> so, so it'll always come in. It'll always come in right under that limit, whatever the whatever threshold you set. Yeah. It'll, they'll say, "Oh, it's oh, it doesn't cost that much." No, that's so interesting. Seat Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. I'm going to encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jack Timon. Jack is the former president of Westinghouse International. He's also had a, such an interesting career. He was the uh, chief of staff for Kirk Clausen when he was in uh, the Capitol. He's also a good friend of uh, Byron Donalds. He's our mutual friend. So look forward to a discussion with him about what, what's happening on Capitol Hill. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jack Timon. I'll say, first of all, Jack is a very good friend. Jack is also the former president of Westinghouse International, has such an interesting background in terms of his international travels and work. Uh, he's also served as the consigliere of uh, Kurt Clausen when he was in Congress and uh, up in Washington, D.C. I guess you did that for about 18 months or a couple of years. But uh, Jack, it's just really, oh, I should say also, he's just released a new book, Adam and Dowland, as well. Jack, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Jack. So our, our good friend Byron Donalds is a candidate for Speaker of the House. And uh, I want to just get a couple thoughts. First of all, it's about the process here and, and what your thoughts might be with regard to the choice of the ch- choosing the Speaker of the House, but also about uh, Byron himself. So what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I was up there actually for three years, and I was up there for one speaker race when uh, I think you might recall and your audience might recall when John Boehner bowed out, basically, because he was going to be driven out. Right. Um, and at that time, they went, the, the Republican leadership went back into caucus, and then everybody came in a room, and when they came out of the room, they had selected Paul Ryan. They never let you know, more than one speaker get to the floor. So Paul Ryan uh, went through, I believe, on the first vote. There may have been some 
you know, honorarium votes in the first, I can't remember, but Paul Ryan moved through as speaker. So I've seen that before. And by the way, at that time, the the one that was next in line was the, the speaker that was just driven out. So, um, it, you know, this is deja vu all over again in a way, although this is much more, let's say, much more complicated. And um, so the process today, last night, the eight, the, one of them dropped out and there's eight left, including Byron, and the candidates spoke in a, in a Republican gathering of all Republicans downstairs in the basement. Uh, there's been no reports. I haven't heard from Byron this morning, no, no reports or whatever about what happened in there. Uh, but this morning, they, after listening and they, they, you know, they did some questions of each of the candidates and so forth. Each of the candidates spoke briefly for a minute, but each of the candidates is also sending around letters to every single member of Congress or making phone calls. So some that was last night, and then this morning, about 9 o'clock, just about an hour and a half from now, they will gather again in, and, and conduct a secret ballot, presumably with just those eight names, and they'll see if someone rises to the top or through a series of votes where a few drop out. They will then um, try to get to where one, one candidate clearly has a lead over, let's say, a second candidate. They get down to the top two. And then they will, they, they will then endorse that candidate, and they are pledged, most of them, not all of them probably, pledged to then go to the floor and vote for the candidate that wins the majority in the uh, caucus this morning. So interesting. I mean, I think Byron is, is uh, one of one of his characteristics is while he's a conservative, he certainly has an, uh, the ability to listen to people who have opposing views and treat them with respect and dignity. Unlike I think some of the members of the House, so uh, he has that going for him. And I think he's, of course, he's got so much going for him. He's smart, capable, uh, understands the Constitution. Uh, he would, be, in my view, he would be a great leader. Oh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, Bob. He's a, he's a very, I, I know him so well. I sometimes call him my brother by a different mother. He's, um, he's unique. He's different. He, by the way, he's clearly younger than the other candidates. Yeah. Uh, so he stands out. But he, he also, you notice him in interviews. When someone asks Byron a question, he does something very surprising. He answers the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it without a note. And he does it honestly, sincerely from his heart. But he is criticized for you know being too inexperienced. Well, John F. Kennedy was president at 42, and he was barely in the Senate. Uh, Bar Barack Obama became president at 43, and he never showed up in the Senate. He was campaigning from the time he got in there. So Byron is 44. Um, and AOC yesterday criticized him, saying he's still trying to figure out where the bathrooms are in Congress. And, and Byron has counted the inexperiencing with something really brilliant. He did it yesterday, and he said that he sent a letter to every single member of Cong Congress saying if he is elected Speaker, he will dilute, dilute the powers of the Speaker and hand the authorities to the various um, heads of the committees. I, I, maybe there's 17, 18 committees. I don't know. There's a lot of them. Well, that's brilliant when you think about it because now instead of his lack of experience, he's calling on the experience of 18 of the most senior members of, Congre of Congress. And he, he doesn't believe that the, the 
speaker of the house should be some somebody like a a pope or a king with you know holding holding rigid rules over everybody else. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I'm praying about it. And I know he and Eric are praying praying about it, and he's up there because he's called by God, and he will do whatever he's called to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, some people are critical of the the fact that uh, this somebody called it a clown show that uh, the the Republicans have disagreements. They uh, work through their their issues and uh, the whole nature and the chaotic nature of what's going on i think is the republic at work whereas nancy pelosi took a different approach she just decided she would run it like a dictator and of course it wasn't messy it, it would, but it would it it wasn't uh, at all democratic it didn't uh, express the views of our founders in terms of uh, how the constitution should work absolutely this was what's going on um in the Democrat Party is not what was meant by forming a republic, democratic um, republic. Nancy Pelosi, I don't think anyone ever voted against her when she was speaker on any issue, and certainly not when she was running for uh, the speakership every time. They, no one would dare vote against her. She controlled purse strings that handed out, you know, maybe twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars to various candidates who needed it for their campaigns right. via, via PAC. So they they were beholden to her, and they knew they needed her to get on any kind of committee. With the case of the Republicans, they they are they are not lemmings. They just don't follow the leader. The, the Republican Party is based on what our nation is based on, and that's individualism. And they believe in individualism. And if you have 221 Republican Congress persons, they are going to have different thoughts about things, and they, they'll debate them and they'll try to find common ground. It's not it's not easy to get 217 out of 221 votes on anything. Exactly, and it's, uh, and Byron, the other thing that I appreciate is that he will follow regular order. I'm convinced that he will make sure that we have a budget in place, that he'll follow the process that was abandoned 25 years ago in Congress. Instead of uh, continuing resolutions, uh, we'll actually have a budgeting process line by line. And uh, I think, to your point, he'll put the committee heads in charge of the process of developing the budgets for their area. Right. Right. And that's so important. And you don't hear that out of any of the speakers. They keep telling why they can why they can get 217 votes and their answers don't even make any sense. Yeah. Uh, but no, Byron is Byron is special. And the other thing, Bob, you've watched him. We've all watched him behind the microphone. This guy will grab that bully pulpit and boy, the United States of America, the people are going to listen to this man. He, he's going to have a huge impact if he becomes speaker. Absolutely. Jack, I'm so appreciative of your coming on the show and sharing your thoughts. Before I let you go, your book, how can people tell, tell us just a little bit about it and how can they can get it? Um, just go to Adam in Dowland. It's pronounced Dowland, but it's spelled Dowland. Adam in T-A-O-L-A-N-D uh -huh. on Amazon. And the first thing that pops up is you can buy it. You can buy it very inexpensive on Kindle. You can get an actual hard copy. Anybody in Naples, if you buy it, I'll find a way to get to you and I'll sign it for you. If I, you get a signed copy, it's worth about fifty thousand dollars. Fifty years from now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Diamond, again, author of Adam and Dowland. I really appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much, Jack. Good being with you. Bye -bye. My, my pleasure. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Bob Levy with us. He's the uh, chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. I hope uh, you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.